When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino back with you for some uh, special coverage here to talk some uh, BB24. And uh, Taryn Armstrong is here with me uh, taking a quick break from the live feeds. Taryn, how are you? Doing great. Very excited to be here today. We've, uh, we've got a, a good one. Got a fun one for you. Uh, so uh, we have been doing uh, the uh, interviews with the alumni. Rather than do them after the episode, we said, okay, let's give the alumni some chances to, uh, you know, not have to talk about some uh, stupid like uh, HOH competition or whatever, and let's make it all about them and what they're seeing. And we're so excited to have with us here today my first chance to speak with the great winner of Big Brother Canada Ten. Here he is. Kevin Jacobs. Kevin, how are you? Rob Taran. Hi. Live from my home office. I'm amazing. I'm really happy this worked out in a way where uh, chaos is reigning in the Big Brother house. And Did you do this? Is this because that you were going to be on this week? Like last, we could have talked last week yeah. and, and then we could have had it then. I take full credit for everything going on in the house right now. Actually, in, indirectly, I think it's the Daniel and Michael power struggle. Um, probably the only two people who actually know who I am in the house. And I think it's all because of me. That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about how Daniel referenced you, that he had watched your five plus hour. Well, at least he started it. He listened to a, a part of it, of you and Taryn talking for five plus hours only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then mentioned in the house uh, and then, um, you know, seem to then uh, reference that in relation to Michael. And yeah, Kevin, you are responsible for a lot of this. See, what he should have known is that if there was any inkling of me in Michael and him putting Michael on the block was an attempt to block a Kevin, he's created a monster. He made Michael play the game so much harder and he should have looked into the game a bit more and maybe finished those five hours. That's so weird because Daniel is such a good planner. And so uh, like, uh, like has all these things that are so well thought out it's surprisingly that he didn't come up with that on his own. Man. Yeah. I, I also wondered, uh, there is, there's also, there's a Kyle in the house. Um, you're, you're familiar with Kyle's. Um, and I felt like maybe, maybe some of your influence came, uh, in, in Kyle. I'm a bad boy. Uh oh. So I think something that's happened in the last few days is that it has become fun. 
And it's very clear that Kyle is someone who's actually enjoying himself in there. And I'll say that I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the first couple of weeks. It wasn't fun to watch. Sometimes Big Brother shows us things that we don't want to see. And now it seems like the fun is back in the house. And I'm really happy about that. And I think Kyle's a good example of someone who's enjoying himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's why it was so fun to watch Big Brother Canada 10. Um, And, you know, just to have people in the game who not only are like there to have fun and there to play the game, but are also like not there to just like play popular crowd and ostracize the outsiders. Um, and, and what's interesting about this season in particular is that um, it's so rare that we really get the people on the outside, like really actually banding together and fighting against what we often see uh, in the house um, and like pointing it out and saying like, no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think it's interesting to watch. And I'm not saying that all big alliances are not interesting. I just think that most of the time they're not. And when something like this happens and you can see those structures and, and we're, we're well into the feeds right now. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. If look, if, if you don't know what's going on, and I don't know how many people there even actually are that aren't caught up on the feeds, but yeah, come back after Wednesday night. Okay. If you want to hear from Kevin, right. Goodbye. See you soon. So, What's beautiful to see about the leftovers upending the structure of the house is that this is why we watch. We want to see the underdogs turn it around. We want to see that story. It's not interesting to watch someone dominate a game from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's what has drawn a lot of people to the game. I know it was. For me, uh, you know, as, as a kid watching the show, the idea of like, gamifying social hierarchy and interaction and the idea that you can go in as an outcast, as an underdog, as somebody who is not in the in crowd and play a game and manage to overturn that power structure. It's the, it's the fantasy that I think everybody sees for themselves when they watch the show. And so rarely actually happens. Yeah. And I mean, in, like almost all of the early seasons. I mean, that's sort of like the story of the season, if not like the underdogs banding together, or at least one person from the underdog sort of like coming together and overthrowing the bigger power structure in the house. Uh, So it's nice to see uh, maybe a little bit more so of a rarity in sort of like the modern day game, which has so many advantages for the big alliances. And I think, okay, I think there's also the way people do it. Mm-hmm. So when it's a personal attack, it's very hard to watch. And also the last few days, I love watching people laugh at each other from a game perspective. When it's focused on the game and when you see, you know, like uh, Monty laughing about them blaming Alyssa for the, for the flip or whatever you want to call it. That to me is really entertaining. Laughing at other people's cluelessness, that's fun. Laughing at people for who they are, who you think they are, who you you might totally misunderstand them to be, that's not interesting. But laughing at people because they're clueless in the game is a good time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think, and I think that like, that's, that's where we're at. And it's so weird. It's such like, uh, it's such a 180 of from where we were to be in this, like, uh, and, and it's, it's weird too, because after Big Brother Canada 10, I really was like, you know, 
I got my fill. Uh, like I'm not expecting much from big brother 24. Uh, and then it, it hit and I was like, yep. Um, but right now it feels like we're right back there. And it's really, I think for a lot of people too, like, like reinvigorated their love of, of what this game can be. Uh, those that did watch big brother Canada and even those that haven't just like seeing just this week so far, it's been, it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. I did have a way to get through the first couple of weeks. Yeah. What was your coping mechanism, Kevin? Um, so Rob Tarrant, has either of you read, uh, Dostoevsky's the idiot? Not, not recently. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, here's, here's a short summary. The, the eponymous idiot, his name is, is Prince Mishkin. And the truth is that he's not actually an idiot at all. He's an incredible person. He's super smart. He has a heart of gold and everyone misinterprets him as something that he's not. I kept picture. So, so Taylor, I took, I took first in, in, a, in one of a few drafts that I did. Um, the first one. And part of the reason why I think Taylor was a lot of people's preseason favorite was because she was just a really adorable and deary human being. And let me speak on, on behalf of big brother. When I say a lot of us are not, are, are not great. Okay. So like, when you say a lot of us are not great, you're talking about the, the, in, in what way? Let me rephrase that. A lot of us will have something that is like, super eccentric or unique or a reason why we might get put on a show. And I think a lot of uh, Taylor's character that I saw in the very little preseason that we got was this really nice endearing human, uh, like in, in the beauty pageants. Yeah. But also just like super nice. Okay. And then she gets into the house and all these people make up these stories about her. So I kept thinking of her as, as Prince Mishkin. And you know what happens to everybody in the book in, in the idiot. Sorry to spoil it. It's, it's very old. Yeah bad things happen to them. They die. They, Oh, there's, there's a murder. There's prison. There's a loveless marriage, which ends badly. And that, those are just nothing worse than that. And so I kept thinking about the people in the house getting their comeuppance. Yeah. Now it's happening and it's kind of beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin, let me also just uh, bring in some questions from the audience also, because I think that's one of the fun yeah. things about being live here today. Um, Let's do it. Madison says, uh, Kevin, what do you think of Turner planting the seeds about Daniel? Then everybody started blaming him. That seems like a very Kevin thing to do. Uh, this is, this is, correct me wrong, this is Turner uh, saying that Daniel knew about the, he mm-hmm. told Daniel that Daniel wasn't going up and then, yeah. I think it's a good use of information. Um, the the kind of game that that I played sort of sometimes people refer to lovingly or, or hatingly as like the rat floater, where you're taking information and you're bringing it to the people in power at the right time. Turner's doing this from a position of power where he just lost his final two in pooch. And he's rebuilding that way. And he holds a lot of this information because the house is in disarray because he's saying, oh yeah, like three people knew about what was going to happen. I love it. I love using information as a weapon in the game. Like I'm, I'm pretty impressed by how he's done this. It's not easy to go up there. And even if the rest of the house or the leftovers is in on a blind side, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive what they're doing. And also the fact that yesterday 
they kind of coordinated the efforts together. Like you love to see an alliance sort of being in a room, catching on to what someone else is doing. And like, I have an improv background. Who doesn't like to yes and the nice lie in the house? Um, Kevin, do you feel like that the people uh, that are in the leftovers that uh, if let's say the HOH doesn't go to one of them next week, that do you think that this alliance can stick or do you feel like that maybe uh, this group will scatter uh, if suddenly the lights come on? I actually feel pretty good about this group for a little while. And, and there are a couple of reasons. One, the only uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Taryn, the only two. Uh, groups that have two leftovers are Michael and Brittany and Monty and Joe. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as those two don't go up, like I think it's a pretty easy week to go through there. The problem with any alliance. So let's say good big brother theory is that you have a big alliance and you run the game, right? So ideally this group would get to seven. The problem with that thinking is that at any point, if someone in that alliance feels like they're at the bottom, it's actually probably a good move for them to make a move at eight or nine. Now, I don't think because it's eight or nine, I don't think we're going to see that next week or the week after. But I think this group is solid for a couple of reasons. One is you have um, the pound in the middle with the four guys. And then also with Michael, Brittany and Taylor, they've all been looking for a home and when you bring people in who don't have that, it's a really nice thing to do. It's a good feeling and it's an emotional game. So I'm confident in it lasting for a little bit. Yeah. And they, they've really been brought together by uh, like, again, like the mistreatment of Taylor. And, and there was a lot of talk yesterday as well about like, you know, even if, even if we get sent out and, and this is something that, that, that you did as well in a different tone, but um, you know, they were saying like, even if we get sent out next week, like at least we did something. We played Big Brother. We made the move. Um, and that kind of like just letting go of consequences uh, and just like being like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. Even if we do lose because of this, like we're going to go in, we're going to try and we're going to make an impact. Um, I feel like that's it's very freeing and it really helps bond them together. And I think that um, they're in a place right now where uh, like it means more to them to be a part of this group than it does to have like the overall success in the game at the moment. And they think, and right now those two things are intertwined for them, but I think that they'll be more reluctant to let go of the group than, uh, than other groups might be when it's more like, uh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the whole house right now. I'm doing my thing. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of like them sticking together, they're, they're definitely super solid right now. Their biggest worry of course is, uh, is how like this twist is structured and how like, you know, Michael and Monty or, uh, Monty and Joseph might be forced on the block together or Michael and Brittany might be forced on the block together, which would be, uh, not great. Um, but even then it's still like, luckily for them, it's not like Taylor, Michael and Brittany are paired up with one of the pound because that would really cause dissension within the group. Um, because there'd be like, Oh, is the pound going to vote out one of those three or one of those three going to try and vote out the pound? Uh, they're either losing a guy or they're losing one of, uh, Michael or Brittany. So, um, in terms of the pound versus Michael, obviously Michael's a guy. Uh, so, um, so I think that that kind of helps them as well, even if they do lose a number, cause they've been, they've been like, even if we do lose a number, we're still going to move forward together. So I think they're pretty locked in. Yeah. I'd say a couple of things there. One is it's also 
Okay. Uh, The mistake a lot of people make in the game is assuming that everyone thinks like them. You can't do that. Different people think differently. And to think that you're all coming from the same perspective is is stupid, frankly. Uh, So what I think they've also done a really good job of is speaking to each other in the way that they want to be spoken to. Uh, Like, it seems like, especially that night when they got together in the room, all the different conversations felt like people were being brought in, in a meaningful way. And when that happens, each person has their own motivation to be in there. And you're right. When you unite over something that's bigger than the game, it's a lot more powerful. Kevin, uh, who do you see coming out of all this uh, is in a best position from the leftovers groove? So in, in week three of BB Cantan, a guy named Kyle tanked his game. And I think in week three of BB 24, a guy named Kyle has set himself up for a really, really, really deep run. The fact that he made this move when he could have written out the road out, written out? Rode out, rode out. He could have rode out the structures in the house um, for a little while, I think is pretty impressive. And he's built this new thing where he's also really insulated with the pound. Uh, I think any flip on the leftovers from within with Michael, he would be a part of, he would be one of those votes who goes against like a a Monty or a Joseph. Uh, I just think he's really, really set up for a, a nice deep deep run that said if i'm in the pound uh let's say i'm kyle or monty i'm also looking for who's going to help me to turn on that group later in the game and for that that's michael or taylor and if michael or taylor can make it to that seven or even an eight and help one of those two or somebody else to flip on that group of four guys i think they'd also be primed for a deep run where if they're in the final two it's like how do you not vote for them that said uh, what I'll add is is just my pet peeve right now is people thinking about like who they want in jury. That happens at this time of the game. I think it's one of the most ridiculous strategic things that people think about. We're in week three. You can't. Th- yes, right now, Michael or Taylor sitting there. Then yeah, they're probably going to win the game in our eyes. We have no idea. You cannot pick your jury. You cannot. And to be this early and thinking about who people are going to vote for. In an what if you have a crush in the house, Kevin? <laughs> if Alyssa's there, she's probably going to vote for Kyle. But I mean, like, it's I, I'm not for it. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I think that uh, I think the, the notion of it comes from like the famous bitter juries. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. were like, like your biggest criticism of Dan in 14 is like, well, he should have picked his jury better. Um, and so like that notion like persists, I think, but I, I, I agree. Like we are on day 20, t- today's day 21 uh, of like 80 something. It's, you can't decide who's going to vote for you at this point, unless, unless, except for specific circumstances like Alyssa and Kyle. And even then, like uh, who knows where their relationship stands after 60 more days. Uh, so yeah, I'm totally with you there. And, and in terms of uh, Kyle, um, my, my biggest concern for Kyle is just, uh, you know, does the Kyle curse. I mean, uh, three, three seasons of Kyle on Big Brother Canada have uh, have all met disaster in week four, um, and they 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 all uh, maybe not all of them, but uh, they all seemed to maybe have some promising starts, only to uh, only to uh, crash everybody's uh, stock watch portfolio. 
uh, in week four. So, um, does does the Kyle curse persist into Big Brother US? Factor. If he's on the block with Daniel, Daniel's going home. It's <laughs> it's, it's not persistent. I consider I considered lying about my name uh, in the house because I was worried about an association with Kevin Martin. That's just that's just five D chess. Like, what if you were Jacob <laughs> Kevin's? <laughs> I might not have won. Who knows? Maybe there was an association. I don't, I don't know. You can't think about it, but like, no, Kyle's, I would be massively surprised if Kyle's out in the next week or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Taryn, has there been a U.S. Kyle? I don't think so. Yeah. I think weirdly. That, yeah. I think that maybe that's just a Canadian curse. Yeah. And don't we have Kyle. Ones. Mm-hmm. One of my best buddies, his, his, his name is Kyle. The guy was watching the feeds from morning till night. Great guy. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is that Kyle that's in the chat? Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. That, uh, okay. Um, Kevin, uh, for Terrence here, uh, that if he survives the block this week, uh, what do you think yeah. is going to happen with Terrence? Twist wise or in the game? Just uh, both. I mean, twist wise, I haven't thought about it much, but I think my instant reaction is they might want to pull in a little bit of what they seem to do with the backstage boss and have him go against the evicted nominee in in some sort of comp. Uh, I don't love that. I don't love any kind of battle back. I don't know if that will happen. Oh, interesting. You think that maybe that Terrence might have to battle Amira in a competition on Thursday night? I can't be the first person who's thought of that. that can't be well, why, why are we voting at that point? Well, there's, there's been speculation that, uh, that after Amira is voted out, Terrence then becomes a backstage boss or then has to compete against the following person that's voted out the next week. Um, like the word, the wording is kind of similar to how Julie was like the, you know, the backstage people are not safe. Um, the same thing has kind of been said of the individual that has their partner, uh, evicted. So there's been some speculation that maybe like say next week they vote out Daniel, that Terrence would then have to compete against, um, you know, Kyle, uh, or something, uh, or, you know, something weird or, or maybe Daniel, like whatever. But I, I, I don't know. I, that would be terrible. So, you know. Then, keep it, then you're keep saying it available. Like, yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> I am interested in, in Terrence though, as, as a player. Yes. Cause I, I think him and maybe Indy are kind of in that position where I don't know that someone is going to want them out on their HOH from the leftovers mm-hmm. where maybe people aren't thinking them of them as a big enough stretch, a uh, big enough threat. So I think it's very possible that when it comes down to it and the leftovers start looking at each other as threats, one of Terrence or Indy uh, and maybe Daniel, cause I think he has good relationships with people sneaks by as one of those people who's sitting there close to the end who wasn't part of that majority. Yeah, I, I would very much anticipate, especially if things go according to plan and they take out like Nicole, maybe even Daniel. Um, I, it could be, but I very much anticipate that at that point, I would expect Michael, Taylor, Brittany to pull in Terrence um, to maybe try to pull in Indy. But Joseph also has some hooks into Indy. Um, and I could definitely see at that point it becoming, you know, pound versus Michael, Brittany, Taylor, uh, and then them fighting for like, uh, those, and maybe Alyssa goes over to the pound. Um, and, uh, I could see at that point though, the war starting to begin. 
I was lying. That sounds incredibly interesting. I'm here for it. <laughs> I like, okay. I can, I can deal with a good structure for a couple of weeks, but I, you know, you always want to kind of see it upended. And if they are going to act like Faute in the house, give me the leftovers till the final seven. That's interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Kevin, uh, where do you think Taylor's game goes from here? I mean, it's very hard to say. I think she's got a, a, a little bit of safety for the next couple of weeks. Um, I do worry a little bit that the perception changes so much that people will recognize her as a jury threat a little bit too early and and possibly try and, and, and take her out once that phase starts. Because if the narrative in the house changes to Taylor's to which which is amazing yeah. from a, a personal standpoint. Yes. Taylor's amazing. Then it's like, how do you how do you let that person get to that? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, and I hadn't really thought about that until just now. But you know, we have sometimes and like coming from Survivor, like I feel like that there are things that sometimes happen in the game to certain players uh, where then it's like, okay, oh well, now that person has such yeah. a good story. Mm-hmm. Now. If we don't now, what point does it turn into Taylor? Oh, if we have to get Taylor out, because if she gets to the end, none of us can beat her because she's had such a good story of this arc of that. She overcame this adversity in the house. Yeah. I mean, I I thought about that early on when, because Michael talked about who he would want in the end with him. And he's talked about wanting Brittany, wanting Indy and wanting Taylor, Uh, you know, people that he could theoretically, you know, compete against and potentially win against in the end. Um, And even then I was like, well, the problem is like, I see why you might think that for Taylor right now, but if Taylor is in the end, it's not the same perception Uh, because, you know, I feel like there's going to be a point, a tipping point where they go from Taylor's the worst. She's got to go week one, week two, week three. She's the target. And she survived. She continued. And she's sitting here at final five, at final four, at final three. Uh, like unbelievable. She should have been gone in the first couple of weeks. I can't believe she pulled that off. Um, and so I, you know, I wonder if Michael will come to that realization as well, because he is, I think, still thinking of her in his end game plans. But uh, but I do wonder what might happen if that narrative does start to change. And it, it just goes to show, again, like how difficult it is to get out of that situation, because once you do, now you have the story and that makes you a target. Uh, and so it's uh, it's such a, tr- a tricky place to be. And Kevin, is that something that you did uh, so well, where that people didn't exactly know what your story was, that you kind of like uh, were able to hide like what your story was in the game until it was too late? Yeah, I, I did a good job of sort of sending people to the jury, kind of knowing, but not really. So, so Herman is the first jury member. Um, I was actually thinking about this today. I thought I was a little bit like uh, the man in black trying to destroy humanity, and he was a little bit like Jacob trying to keep it together. Anyway, um, no, you're Jacob. He, uh, well, I, I think I think I, I don't know. I guess technically. Yeah. 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 I didn't catch it. Um, Jacob Kevins. Yeah. He, he left not knowing 
anything. And I kind of took credit in my goodbye message. And I would learn after the game that he's like, what is, what the hell is Kevin talking about? But you have so much time in the jury to send people over. So then Moose goes, he starts to kind of learn. And then this big thing happens with uh, Gino going, Marty and Summer, and then finally, you know, sending JC Lynn and Helena. The story got better every time someone get there, got there, and then people felt okay because they had enough time to be like, okay, this is what he's doing. Yeah, and, and I think what you did well was that you took control of your own story in the house as well, where, um, like, there was a push, especially by, you know, like, uh, like Betty and them, like, uh, like look at how far Kevin has come. Like, this is such a great story. He's going to potentially win, but you really just hammered over and over and over. I can't win this game. I'm, I've been so useless all season. I, I can't win a single competition. Um, and so even though there was a natural flow where, you know, you should have been rising in the, in the eyes of the people in the house. And that was, that was what was happening in the jury. Uh, you were, you were really putting a lid on it. And, you know, that's something that I think Taylor could theoretically do. I think she's, you know, she's clearly good at, you know, maintaining this facade of being outcast and, and, you know, uh, down and, uh, pouting and like, oh man, I'm still definitely, uh, not in an alliance right now. Um, so I think, I think that that's probably the best, one of the better ways to counteract it. One of the ways we've seen it being counteracted is if Taylor can, can continue to sell the story, even as she's, you know, rising like a Phoenix that like, oh man, but everyone, everyone hates me though. Uh, like, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still, I still have like no chance to win this game because even if you think like, ah, they're just playing you clearly as Kevin has displayed, uh, if you hammer it home enough, if you're persuasive enough, it can, it can really like just weed its way into your brain. It's so hard. It's so hard to, to <laughs> convey in the small period of time with like a goodbye message or or even in, in the in the final speeches. But it's if she can like take out a Michael or a Joseph late game who can go and sort of start talking about what they created at this point, I think that could be a pretty powerful narrative. Kevin, you were telling us uh, there was something that Taryn had said on Twitter that you wanted to touch on here today. You So, Taryn, you tweeted that blindsides are actually a strategic thing. Yes. And I, I didn't I didn't respond because I wanted to talk about it here. Uh, I, I agree completely, obviously. I just think that you have to do it in a way that that benefits mm -hmm. you. So. I'll give you a couple examples from, from let's use, let's use the, the Josh and Stephanie. Can we, can we talk BB can? Can I give one example here? Yes. Do it. Thank you. So, so Josh stays over Stephanie. There's, there's that meme in week three, right? Um, the reason why that was good as a blind side for some people is because other people take the blame. So that was a 9-2 vote, but there were four people left out of it. The two votes, Kyle, the HOH, if we want to talk Kyle's, and then also uh, Stephanie, who went home. Now, for me, what I wanted to do was put the blame on others. So like, we didn't need Marty's vote, for example, but to get him to come over, I knew he was closer with the people who were being blindsided, so he would take the blame. And then when it happens, it hurts, but it's game hurt. It's gamer. Mm -hmm. It's not about who you are. It's about the game. So that's what I also like about this. And the fact that they're able to leverage the current emotions, which are game emotions, 
which I'm okay with being hurt. I'm okay with your game feelings being hurt. The fact that they're leveraging those to make old school and the other people on the other side of the house go against each other. That's what I love. And that's the effectiveness of a blind side. Yeah. And it, it can be such a destabilizing element because, you know, uh, if you experience a blind side, then you're like, okay, everything I thought I knew about what was going to happen just didn't happen. And that's going to shake your confidence in the, in your own game, in your relationships. Mm. Um, and, and we see that constantly. Anytime that there's like a group that's blindsided, they start looking around, uh, even when the numbers kind of do add up, like, uh, like this is probably how it went. They're still like, but, but anybody could have been like, I, I don't know. It's just, what is it wasn't what was supposed to happen. Um, and, uh, and, and you can really use that, I think, to, um, to advance your own position in the game. Um, and on the other side of it, I think when you're part of a group that is doing the blindsiding, that is a huge bonding agent because you are all in on the secret. They are all running in chaos and you get to laugh with your friends about like, oh my God, look, look at them run around. We did this. Um, and so there's, there's two different ways that it can be so effective. And yeah, I, I, I love the idea of this becoming more, um, in you know, a part of the uh, the toolbox, the tool set that uh, the players can go into future seasons using, because not only do I think it can be used very effectively as a great strategy, but I think it's also obviously like makes for some of the best television as well, which uh, is not insignificant, both game wise and, you know, if you want to, you know, make a, a splash on the show. You're also probably not going to win, so you might as well have a good time playing like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, is that something that could be drilled into the house guests like uh, even more as opposed to like uh, like recruiting people and telling them how they have like uh, like, hey, you could win this thing. You could win this money of like getting people to be on the show and somehow telling them like, hey, you're probably not going to win. So uh, just try to like, uh, you know, ha- have the craziest time. <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. I'm, I'm also on the on the on the team that that likes that we get a good variety of people. I don't want to watch 16 strategists doing their thing. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's that interesting, but having a few a season and also just, yeah, maybe letting them know in pre-production, there's a 15 out of 16 chance you're not going to win this. So how mm-hmm. else are you going to make this a positive experience for yourself? And the way I would answer that is I'm going to wake up and have a good time playing this game that, that I love because I probably won't win statistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've talked about this for a while too, where like I, I felt like the culture of Big Brother has let the contestants down to a degree when you compare it to Survivor, where, uh, you know, people make fun of Jeff saying like big moves, big moves, resume. Um, but there is a narrative that's being sold by the show of Survivor that is play big or go home. Um, and, you know, you you should be blindsiding. You should be making big moves. You should be doing these things. And I really do think that that has influenced the game. Uh, obviously, casting is a huge part of it as well. But when you cast people who are fans of the show, who watch it, who are influenced by the message that the show is portraying, which is that blindsides are good, big moves are fun, um, then you get more people making those big moves. And I think that that's why we often see more daring play on shows like Survivor than mm-hmm. in Big Brother. And I think also like the the structure of the game uh, can can lend toward that as well. Um, and there are many other problems with, with Big Brother, including the twists. But uh, but I do think that like the more that we can drill home, like uh, like, no, no, playing exciting and blindsiding and like doing these things are good for you. 
and they make great TV. And like, this is how you should want to play. There is a way to play boring and safe, but still only one person wins from that. And it's probably not you. Uh, so you might as well be taking your own fate into your own hands, play big or, or, or go home. Do you think that that uh, changed over the years and maybe this was sort of like after uh, a string of like uh, winners that were, uh, you know, um, pa uh, Paul loses to Josh, uh, where Casey beats Tyler, um, you know, uh, we skip BB21, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, we have like people who are uh, a little bit more in that era of like the uh, you know jury is voting against somebody who played like the more uh, aggressive game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we're in a space right now, or have been in a space in the U.S. at least, where people do want to play the safe, the boring uh, as much as possible, and we see the result of that, which is if you play the safe and boring game, um, you know, ninety percent of the time the the person that is winning the most amount of competitions is going to win the game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the way from, you know, Casey winning a ton, bunch of comps and obviously Taylor, uh, Tyler did too, but, you know, Casey was a huge comp beast. Jackson, uh, Cody, uh, Xavier, like um, you're just kind of letting the person kind of storm out the end, end game comps and then win the game if you play like that. Um, and I think there is uh, an element of that that's, that is shifting a little bit. I think that they're changing the competitions a little. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the, uh, the meta strategy of the house has shifted a little bit toward let's make sure we do strike at these big guys who are probably going to win a bunch of comps. Um, maybe not as much as it needs to, but um, I do think that, you know, for Big Brother US at least, we're, we're maybe starting to shift out of that era. But, um, you know, obviously, Kevin, you're sort of like the... Uh, the, the, the four person of like bursting out of it here in Big Brother Canada. Um, so what are your thoughts? couple things. One is playing to win like the leftovers seem to be doing. I can't point to a person in there except maybe Brittany. Um, but you know what she needed? She needed a, a, a group. So I think for most of them, the current structure works for them. And yeah, it's dangerous and there's chaos in the house, but they're playing to win. I think also, uh, okay, I've had like a reverse introduction to the casuals because I came into Big Brother through you guys and through like the super fan community. Uh, people don't care if you come 14th or 5th on these shows. It doesn't matter to the majority of people. So you might as well try and win. And if that means that you're out early, who cares? Because most people... I met a lot of alumni of Big Brother, of Survivor at this point. Most people sit with their decisions for life, and it's actually kind of dark. A lot of people will, will say, hey, years ago, I did this thing on this reality TV show, and it still bothers me. And I don't think and, – and, yeah, I'm speaking from a position of privilege where I won and I don't have that. And, I, yeah, I have things I think about, but, like – you need to play to win to know that you did everything, at least in your mind, even if you're wrong, to win that game. And if you're just playing to coast a jury, to sit in a jury house for 20 or 30 days, it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of mine. Now, I'll also say that big move-itis is a real disease that can get to people and puts a lot of people in dangerous situations. That said... 
it's very hard to get to the end of the game without being able to take credit for some sort of move. So within that context of making the big moves, it has to be done at the right time. So don't do it just to do it. Do it because it makes sense for your game. And yeah, maybe it's a risk, but it's a good risk. And also as a viewer, I would much rather watch someone with big move-itis than watch someone coast to sixth or seventh place. Yeah. And I think what I like to say as well is that like, if you're the kind of person who's hearing this discussion and being like, yeah, I just, I would want to be, I don't make sure I'm like cautious enough. Like I don't want to have big move-itis or anything. Like you're probably already the kind of person that would not have big big move-itis. You're probably the person that needs to push yourself to make big moves. If you're the person that's like, uh, like, uh, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to do whatever. It's going to be fine. Like you're the person that might, might be making the big move-itis mistakes. Um, but don't worry about it. You'll be fun to watch. I have a question for you uh, from the chat, Kevin. And uh, this is one that's from uh, your friend, Matthew Prusky wants to know, if you could, if you had to box one person from this cast <laughs> in the next Can- uh, Canada versus US celebrity net fight, who would you pick? Assuming that they are able to put on another celebrity net fights at some point. Uh, Hey, Matthew, Uh, I'll preface this with one of the promises that I made to Jillian, my girlfriend, before I went on the show was that I would never, ever do any of the boxing matches. However, in this scenario, uh, I think I want to I think I want to box Daniel. (laughs) How tall are you, Kevin? I'm I'm six one. Okay. We know we know my chances in any boxing match are very low. Mm-hmm. We know I'm going in as a big underdog. Let me let me call out Durston and and uh, and, and we can we can have a boxing match. You're gonna take down the king. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know that might uh, you know sell some tickets. Yeah. I, I'm. That's that's not my place. Fortune. One of the things that that I'm good at is knowing my role, and my role <laughs> is not. In the boxing ring. Okay. Um, look, some you have some support. Steffers says, uh, uh, "I think you got Daniel." Well, listen. If if this were to happen, I would be I would be training. Mm-hmm. I would be going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't now. mean I would do well, but yeah. Look, uh, my money's on Kev. So look, people have your back. This is the home crowd advantage, though. The home. <laughs> yeah, for for sure. Kevin, can Where, you? Where's Daniel Sumcraft? Uh, nobody knows. Um, Kevin, I, I've seen on social media that you are often uh, eating cucumbers on uh, <laughs> Instagram. Can yeah. you just give us the the background info on that? Yeah. So uh, there was actually some drama in the house uh, where where I was eating all the all the full size cucumbers early on and. Um, that also played into uh, why I wanted to blindside Stephanie in, in week three. Uh, but the <laughs> they're just a delicious vegetable. They're very versatile. It's a good way to get a lot of vegetable at once. It's a good way to get uh, nutrition, not a lot of calories in there. And also they're very flexible. You can dip it in your favorite dips. You can put all sorts of different salts on it. It's easy to grab one and pack it away because although they're they're long, they're skinny, pop it in a backpack, pop it in a little bag. They're just, and by the way, they're technically not a vegetable as well as, as uh, I recently discussed um, with some friends of our app on Twitter. Uh, but they're just, they're just a spectacular, spectacular 
fruit slash uh, culinary vegetable. What do you think of that, Taryn? Uh, I think uh, I think we've got a, a bad boy. I'm a bad boy. <laughs> Yeah. When you said they're very flexible, um, that uh, you're talking about the different sauces that you can put on them, uh, not that that you could bend them. Correct. Uh, You actually can just just break one in half if you need to eat a certain portion. You can slice them. You can put them on sandwiches. You can get them into like little fourths. You know, people will like quarter a cucumber. Um, Not a huge pickle guy, but if you want to pickle them, there's pickle flexibility as well really a lot you they they go in salads you can make a cucumber salad on their yeah, own yeah. just truly truly delicious rob okay you wouldn't say like they like they're floppy it wouldn't be like a <laughs> floppy lance situation no that's that's uh that's more for for that veto comp and also if it's probably expired like i can just tell a, an expired cucumber by touching it just toss it yeah 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 touch test yeah okay yeah. um <laughs> Good, good to know. Uh, and then, are you as big of a fan of pickles as you are of cucumbers? No, I don't. I don't. I don't mess around with pickles. They're great. They're great. I, I like a nice half sour. Um, I'm going to Montreal this weekend. They have some great uh, smoked meat sandwiches places. Places and those places also usually have really, really good half sour pickles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. Um, Let's see. Uh, I saw some more questions for Kevin. Of course, if you have questions from from Kevin, uh, we can uh, take them from the chat. Uh, this is one from uh, Carsto. Kevin, love your gameplay. How was it adjusting mm-hmm. back to normal life after the show? I have no idea how we spoke for five hours, Taryn, because looking back now, my my brain, those first two to three weeks was not in the same. It was like a floppy cucumber. It was like a floppy cucumber. My, my brain was was itself a floppy cucumber, Lance. I, I just the way I think of adjusting to the environment of the show, which is something that, that I've talked about was unexpected. Uh, I, there was sort of a compression period, getting used to the lights, getting used to the sleeping getting used to the kitchen and then coming back, looking at it now, there was a two to three to even full month period of, of decompressing, of getting back to, to regular life. And that's not just like the first day I, I had trouble crossing the street because the sounds, because uh, so it's so quiet in there. Right. But it's also just, gain away from the spot where you're wondering if people are, are lying to you all the time, um, where you're seeing people for the first time in a little bit of a different context. Uh, one of my favorite things is, is just, I, the people who I was close with before the show have been amazing for, for helping me with that adjustment, not just my girlfriend, but my good friends. I, I consumed everything. Also, I watched the whole show. I, I didn't watch a ton of feeds. I watched a lot of clips that people sent me. Um, my good buddy, Kyle, mm-hmm. actually what he did was there was a group chat of, of a bunch of my friends where they would talk through the feeds. They would wake up with good morning house guests and go to bed with good night house guests. He printed the entire chat off. This is ended up being about a thousand pages. He, he went to, to a store, got to put into like 23 ring volumes. And I got to read through that and sort of go through the journey again. And that really, really helped with the sort of, decompression plus 
I also did, I listened to, to your chat with, with Aza, uh, like her, I, I, I had trouble not going online and just reading things, which is the weirdest experience in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's I, the, the weird, the weird part, just like what, uh, people's takeaways were from things that were actually happening to you. I think going from someone who was a big fan to being in it is, is also a unique experience in that I've seen these conversations before. I've seen these same people tweet about these same things, but now it's in the context of me. And I think knowing before the show about what sort of, uh, BB super fans looks like. Um, I don't like the term super fan, by the way. I like huge fan because it's, it's a little bit more inclusive. Anyway, I, I, or I'm open to different terms. Uh, I think knowing how intense people are helped because I said to myself, I'm not going to derive value out of whether people think I'm great or terrible. I'm not going to derive value out of whether people love me or hate me. And there, and there are both. I'm just going to be who I am. And that really helped, but also it's overwhelming when, when you read everything online. So it was, it was quite an experience and I'm thankful for the people in my life who helped me to adjust back. Don't get me wrong. One of the best things I've ever done in my life, big brother Canada and will be forever something I cherish, but it was also cool to like take that moment to decompress and now to look back and see what that process was like. I'm in the house one day and then I'm, I'm hanging out with, with, you know, people I've watched for, for years, two days later. Very weird. Yeah. Uh, so is it, uh, cause I, and, and I feel like this usually hits more when it's like a new season of the show that you played, but like, how has it been now having played the game, uh, watching a new season, new players, uh, you know, do the, do the thing that you now have experienced. Uh, it, it felt like garbage the first couple weeks. I mean, it also maybe it felt like garbage for a lot of people the first couple yeah. weeks. Of yeah, what you were watching that was like, uh, if it was a like good season of uh, like Big Brother for those first couple of weeks, would it have felt uh, still bad? I think I think it was also good because it's 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 good to reflect and think, hey, like how can how can I be. Uh, a better person or maybe what, what behaviors could, could, could I work on in my life? And sometimes these shows are good at teaching you that. And, and now getting to the place where the season is starting to be fun and a little bit of escapism, uh, it's been a nice, a nice journey for these couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. It's also like, (sighs) you can't help. I think everybody lives vicariously through the people, uh, on the show. So you can't help but think about them and their positions and what's going on behind the scenes and like production stuff you can't talk about. So it is a different viewing experience. Um, but it, it is, it, it's, it's good. It's good therapy. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what are you what right are, now? What's that? <laughs> Sorry, go on there. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, do. Do you think it's uh, you know, we've talked about where the season might go. Um, obviously we've had like a huge spike here. Uh, great, great moment. Great week. Um, is it going to hold? Do you, do you think we, do you think we're, we're out of the woods here and that, uh, that we may be in store for a good quest, a good season now? I think we're in store for a good middle game. I think the next little bit is going to be interesting. And then once, 
jury starts to early jury, I, I'm, I have high hopes, but then it, like from there, the end game could go, could go anywhere. So I have high hopes that based on what has happened in this little bit, that someone like a Joseph, Kyle, Taylor, Michael will make the end game interesting. And if that happens, then, then great. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what, for what's to come, but Mm -hmm. I I don't want to call it too soon. I think we're in for a good, like three weeks or so. We can only take it week to week, if not day to day, (laughs) considering, you know, how this uh, season can swing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) By the Um, end of the day today, it might be, Oh my God. Uh, what, What happened? It's also sort of, I don't know. I like, I, I like also reading the past house guest uh, takes a lot more. Like I find it, I find it very, very interesting because the difference is that in the house it's, it's a zero sum game, right? Anytime someone's winning is at the detriment of someone else. I love to see like other house guests sort of witted together, whether that's like on social media or doing something else or, or, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it is, it is a community where you are sort of effort uh, described as like a kind of, you know, you're bonded over that. So I do, I, I like to see their takes too, because I understand the the point of view. Okay. It, it is funny. Like uh, when play, like people who maybe who haven't, weren't part of the fan base before playing, they play the game, they get involved in the fan base. And then it's, it's almost like, uh, like it's the, it's the reverse situation of somebody who was in the fan base and then, and then plays the game. And now they understand the perspective of somebody who's played the game. It's like people who play the game and then join the fan base are like, Oh, now I understand the perspective of the fan base when they were talking about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is yeah. funny to watch. Yeah. And, and on that note, like of, of alumni, everybody's been so kind from that I've met from, from, Canada, US, even even Survivor, and I do I do cheer for these people because on the outside it's it's a non zero sum game. Like when someone wins or does something cool or successful, like I love to see that because their their winning is not at my detriment. Their winning, th- there's enough win for everybody out there, and I love that. Whereas part of what I love about Big Brother is that it is a zero sum game. I love to watch people try and kill each other. <laughs> Kevin, uh, this is a question from uh, George in the chat. It says, uh, Kevin, there's been recent discussion about how showmances might actually be beneficial to people's games given their placements. What's your thoughts on how they function as a gameplay mechanic? Uh, I went into the house very, in, in my experience before the show, ready to sort of ride the, the or sort of attach myself to a showmance mm-hmm. on some level. I, I did that a bit with with uh, Jason Gino. Um I think I've come around on the showman strategy as a really good one. If it's deliberate, which is also extremely manipulative. So that's a you call if that's a line you want to cross, but being the perceived lesser threat of a showman is an incredible place to be. It's the same thing as being the perceived. And when I say perceived, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you are in the eyes of the house being the lesser threat of a duo is fantastic because most likely people are going to try and get out the stronger part of the duo unless they win veto or something like that happens uh, or something. There's a twist or whatever. And then you're left in the house as what people perceive true or not to be a free agent. So as for the showman strategy, I will never be able to use it, but I do think it's a good one. If you deliberately are the lesser threat, 
or playing down your own threat within that showmance. Why not? It's very visible there. And especially if you have another, (laughs) again, this is very sick, but it's up to you whether you want to do it. If you have another number one, because if people perceive that this person, if people see you in the showmance, they're going to always think that that person is your number one. But if you have somebody else that you're actually working closer with, you can keep that a huge secret while being in this show match, while having that person be the bigger threat if someone ever wants to come after the two of you. Yeah. And I, and I think like uh, even just in terms of threats, like just having uh, the right relationships is part of like your threat level, right? Like um, if people feel like, okay, we need to, we need to target the showman's, but I'm with, you know, I'm with Jace. uh, So let's get out Gino regardless, or I'm with Gino. So let's get out Jace uh, so that I can, you know, I can, you know, weaken them, but then still have that relationship. Uh, I think that's, that's part of it as well. So yeah, I think, I think like more actively making sure that just basically that your, your showman's partner is the one that would leave. And if you're on the outside of it, I think you also got to (laughs) like, you got to go that extra level and you'd be like, Gino, like beware of people who are just going to use you after Jace is out. You can even speak to the th- two of them together. Jace, beware of the people who are going to try and pull you in when, when Gino's out. I'm here. I'm here for both of you. I'm here <laughs> for the showmance. I want the showmance around together. You love, love. I love, I love, love. Mm-hmm. Kevin, uh, we have a question for you from Heidi, uh, who wants to know, uh, Kevin, do you trust that Brittany will stop spilling tea to the wrong people now that she feels included in a real alliance? No, uh, it's, it's hard. It's very hard to keep your mouth shut in there because all you have to do is talk. And the fact that like, I, I, I got to commend the people in the leftovers who've been cleaning showers and tanning the last little bit. Cause Keeping your mouth closed is not easy. So if you have a history of, of saying the wrong thing to the wrong person, I, I mean, the past is, is the best indicator of the future. Um, Kevin, uh, Carson, do you keep in touch with any of your housemates? A lot of them. Most of them. Uh funnily enough, like someone who I really didn't work with in the house, uh, I hang out with, with Moose a lot. I hang out with Moose a lot. Uh, I think we, we also kind of said this at the house, like we're going to be friends on the outside, right? There was one moment uh, where we're sitting together and we're like, yeah, if, if one of us becomes HOH, we'll talk game. But yeah, we're, we're buddies, uh, which is cool. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been really, really awesome. I also flip-flop between like how much of those relationships should I talk about on a podcast? Right. Like <laughs> how, how, how much should I say that I'm close with this person or, or something like that? It is something I think about, or you meet someone from the community and, and you become friends and you text or whatever. In some ways, I sort of don't want to talk about those things, but it's also like, because yeah, when you go buddy. back for all stars, you'll be targeted. <laughs> I, I can't, I don't have the capacity to game on the outside. I'm, 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 I'm friends with people because I'm a fan. I don't, I don't have it in me to be like mm-hmm. but, pre-gaming but for I, I just a potential. Are you, are you worried that, that people that people will target you if you're friends with somebody or you feel no. like, like, uh, like that you're bragging like uh, that? Oh, look, I'm I'm friends mm. with 
uh, I'm friends with Pop and Paul Jackson and you're not. So that wasn't a concern before. And now it is. Um, <laughs> now that you brought it up, it's now it's now gone into the anxiety bank. Uh, but it's it's neither. It's more so that I've never really been an online person. I'm still trying to navigate uh, social media and sort of being uh, on on the Z list where a small group of people care what I have to say. And so let's say I have a relationship with someone that, that comes out of this. I, I don't know. I don't know what the appropriate etiquette is. Like, like, are you allowed to talk about a friendship on a podcast? I know Moose won't mind, but like, it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually don't know. But then if it's a reality TV person, are they not putting a lot of their life on display? It's very hard for me to tell. So I think it's more so that I'm just getting used to, to what it is, where a small group of people care about you. Where are those boundaries? What's polite? What's the proper etiquette? Okay. Yeah, I can tell you after like uh, eight years. Um, yeah, I still, I still, uh, also not an online person. <laughs> I know I'm not a drama person. Like, if somebody, if somebody wants to to be mad at me about something or or bring something up, like on the outside, like it's just I'm I'm not interested in in, in drama on the outside. I love it on the inside. Bring it, mm. bring it every time. But, but here it's again, like if, if it's a non zero sum game, I think we can all win together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Kevin, I have heard that you have some drama with one of the RHAP podcasters that are, are you talking smack about Chappelle? I've had to, for, for years, I've seen Chappelle tweet about the Baltimore Ravens and, mm-hmm. and it's just, I don't know why that was was the thing that I was just ready to clap back when I came out of the house because I'm I'm a Steelers fan and we're uh, we're, yeah. we're sworn rivals. Okay. Um, so it's a it's a friendly tread, tread like, lightly. That he'll tweet a lot more than you will. <laughs> he will tweet a lot more than, than I will. That that's uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm a nice sports rivalry is 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 fine. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the Steelers game in, in Buffalo. That's the best we can get from Toronto here. <laughs> Okay. Uh, this is a question from Heidi uh, that a few people said, please a- ask this question. Okay. Heidi wants to know, Kevin, what are your thoughts on Big Brother Canada having somewhat of a structured bedtime with goodnight house guests versus Big Brother US players staying often, uh, staying up until 4 to 6 a.m. night after night? And then I want to hear what Taryn feels about uh, the two differences. <laughs> This is a, an opinion that's changed from the fan side of things to the the alumni side of things to the alumni fan. Um, I just burped. Uh, so the you're welcome. Uh, the first week of BB Can, I was like, I'm gonna go full Vlachos. I am not gonna sleep this entire Never go week. Full Vlachos. Never go full Vlachos. It's it's a he's a unicorn. It's it's not for everyone. I am not sleeping. I'm not eating. I am talking and hanging out the entire time, and it was really really bad for me. I I just I overplayed my strategy to the point where I ended up on the block week one. Uh, I wasn't as sharp as I could have been, and then when I started figuring out how to sleep, which is basically go to bed when big brother tells me to and wake up when big brother tells me to wake up. That's when it started to be a lot better at the game, a lot more focused. And as much as I want to say, I'm superhuman and I can stay up all, all night. The truth is I can't and good sleep 
and good eating are things that, yeah, the, the feeds might not be as good. Sorry, Taryn, but my, my ability to last in there is dependent on taking care of those things. First of all, so I'm all for telling us to go to bed as much as I was against it before. Now you apologize to Taryn, but, uh, I, I, I feel like that Taryn is probably in favor of, a of the bedtime for the house guests. Quite, quite fond of it, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I've actually, I've, I've, because I've thought a lot about the the differences in how the house is designed, uh, Big Brother Canada versus Big Brother US. Um, and I've talked about this before, but um, you know, in the Big Brother Canada house, there are a lot more little rooms that you can just go in and have quick conversations, like spread out. There's just there's a little bit more privacy overall in the Big Brother Canada house, but no like big major rooms that you can like close off that are really separated from the house, like the HOH room in the US house. Um, and so I've thought a lot about how that might influence the uh, development of larger alliances because in the Big Brother Canada house, it's hard to get like eight people in one room where nobody's going to be able to interrupt you for a long period of time uh, and uh, and like lock everything in. You kind of have to like mm-hmm. do smaller uh, quicker conversations. And I think an additional element to that is, uh, also the bedtime. Um, we're seeing it happen in those, in these last few days that, uh, it's been very difficult for the leftovers to get together at any time other than like 4am because you have Amira patrolling the streets of the house. Um, and, uh, and they can't secretly get together. And so they wait and wait and wait until everybody else falls asleep and then they go and have these big conversations. And that's a huge part of the culture of how you play Big Brother US is that you wait until people are asleep, then you have these big conversations, usually up in the HOH room because that's where there's the most privacy. Um, And so I do think that makes a huge difference on how the game develops and the different ways that you play the game. Um, And I think it's one of the things that adds to Big Brother US being a little more welcoming to these larger alliances that come together and, um, and, and end up dominating. Um, so I actually think that a, a bedtime could be helpful. Obviously there are situations like this week where you want that big alliance to come together, which is not that, not that often. Um, but you did want this alliance to come together and it was exciting to watch it happen at 4am. Um, but, uh, but I think overall, um, keeping a, keeping a bedtime and forcing everybody in while also giving them more space to, to actually game would be ideal. And I do think that the Big Brother Canada house is good at that. Uh, as as things stand with the current structure of the house, uh, where, where the, the current design of the house, um, I don't think that Big Brother US could function very well without uh, or with a bedtime because it's so hard to find space to talk game uh, in that house when there are 16 people living in it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just too difficult. It's interesting. Um, might be fun to see them try, though. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I think they need to add some more rooms. That would be my suggestion. Okay. Um, here's a question from Kelsey for Kevin. Uh, what was something you learned about yourself watching <laughs> back, Kevin? I, I feel like that you're a very introspective person. Did you learn anything about Kevin Jacobs? Tons. Uh the one that that is a little bit cliche, but I'll use it is is a lot of resilience. Way more than than I, I, I mean, I knew I could fight, but I didn't know I could like 
fight fight. And the way I say that is like, I was in danger a lot throughout the game. And because that kept happening, I developed or, or found a resolve that I didn't know that I had. And I think the best example is, and this is actually not a, this is just a physical example is in part one of the HOH it's one of those comps where uh, so we had this, this scepter and you had to transport coins up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's one of these part one HOH comps that's designed for somebody athletic to win and you're going to drop it over and over and over. But because by that point in the game, so much had gone wrong and I was able to bounce back so many times, I was like, screw it. I can do this. Who cares? Who cares? Like, I it's just, it's literally just going to drop over and over and over. And every time, if I just pick it up and keep going, then I'll be able to do it. And that's why I think like you're re- there's, there's emotions and then there's secondary emotions. So an emotion would be sadness. And then a secondary emotion would be, I'm sorry for being sad. Right. I've gotten good through that resolve of how I respond to the primary emotion. So I drop the coins and instead of, and yeah, there's a moment of, of sadness instead of being like, well, that's terrible. This, this comp is done. It's like your response is really helpful to navigating that situation. So I drop the coins. Cool. Sad for a second. Okay. Let's, let's continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how I am after a lot of these podcasts, Kevin. Can't stay sad for too up. long. Yeah, do the drop next the one. podcast. Just keep going. Do the next one. Gotta go to yeah. another one coming right up. Okay. Um, Tracy wants to know, uh, Kevin, did Marty scare you when he pounded on the HOH <laughs> table? I was shook. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there was. I, I. I wasn't. I wasn't nervous about like any kind of of. Uh, why am I saying this? I wasn't nervous about any, I'm going to say it anyway. I wasn't nervous about any kind of like violence ever happening in the big brother house, but a small part of me was like, I kind of want to get punched in the face that somebody gets ejected. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I don't think you're the first person on a reality show to think that. um, But yeah, I mean, it was, it was like a, it was, it was very, it was very scary. It was was a very scary moment. And then when I came out of the HOH room, everyone thought he was, mad at me and my interpretation was it was more of um him expressing himself to me and then i was like okay cool how do i use this um we got a question from uh one of our listeners that says um i coached kevin up before he went into the house (laughs) and here he is not giving me my proper recognition that's from uh uh, b chappelle um it's always nice to hear from a fan and (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll say that, no, I do, I do owe our hop in the entire community, uh, in, including, including this, this B Chappelle character, uh, uh, thank you. This, this is my, uh, this is my source of a lot of my big brother information. So yeah, take, take your, take your credit. You deserve it. Okay. All right. Uh, Kevin, have you increased your patron contribution? Then? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's still at the same level it was at. <sighs> Okay. But if Do I get a discount, yeah, don't I get a discount? Influx of cash yeah. is still at the same level. Eh? Uh, but I guess that if you stay a patron for long enough, I guess, uh, then uh, you could work it all off. Well, I was wondering at what point do I go on the payroll and then and then the roles get reversed? Hmm. 
Okay, interesting. So let's talk that through. So that um, that so uh, we start giving you money for like uh, like you, and then you wear like RHAP merch around. It's like an endorsement mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, I didn't hear any shout outs in your voting uh, confessionals. People don't like that. Uh, Rob, Rob, you don't want to get into a negotiation with me. It's not, I, I, I don't, I don't want to pull you in here. It's no, not, I mean, I, I, not unless you put a suit on. I'll throw on a suit. Okay. All um, right. Let's, let's draw gummy bears. Whoever gets the red gummy bear, uh, gets paid. That's where I think like you just, uh, not to, to go back to a topic that's been discussed over and over, but that's, I mean, this is the place to do it. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's just pure joy. It's, it's, it was instant. I knew, I knew in my head how, how iconic it would be. I was like, even if I draw it, this is just the most magical thing that I will remember forever. This is so, so, so special. It was, it was, it was beautiful. This is one from uh, Carsto. Uh, at what point did you think I can actually win this? Uh, was there a, like one specific moment? Uh, after Herman successfully left, uh, I felt like I had a pretty good shot to make it to the end. Uh, so that would be at the final nine. Because mm-hmm. um, th- I had enough of a structure in place that I felt like in most situations, I wasn't anyone's first or second target. Um, like maybe, maybe moose at that point, but I, I felt pretty good about making a run to the end. I thought I wouldn't do well against Josh for a while. And then at the final five, I thought I would. And then I also thought after he won the final couple comps that I was screwed. So there was a back and forth, but the first time was, was after her mom walked out. By the way, I've, I've going back and, and watching the show and, and taking everything in, I've gained a real appreciation for, for her bonds, almost us big brother style game and, and how, how we went head to head on that. It's, it's really, really cool to, to see that and see how well he, I mean, he, he was executing really well on it. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I love, I love his game, but I, you know, Kevin, I have a question from uh, Lindsay. It says, uh, Kevin, I need to know how much is this and also how much is that? Yeah. How much is this? How much is that? 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 Question a lot of people around the world are asking these days. Yeah. And not happy with the answers. It, interest rates. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much is this? It's bad news. Yeah. Um, Matthew wants to know, uh, Taryn, you mentioned that you would reveal where Kevin falls on your all-time ranking list after your deep dive, uh, but the final roundtable never occurred. Let's hear where the King of Chaos lands. Is that still coming? It's still coming. You gotta, you gotta wait. It's also like, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's a look, it's, it's, it's a big thought process that I got to go through. Uh, I gotta, you gotta, gotta clear my head for that. that. Um, That's a background process at this point. Exactly. Uh, uh, at some point, asking. it will be decided. Mm-hmm. Alan, Alan Jacobs is very curious about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, like, uh, just putting it out there to, like, any any winners, they might be on this call, they might not be on this call. Like, 
if you want to, you know, uh, lobby for your own interests, you know, just give me some arguments and, you know, uh, other things like arguments and physical, tangible, uh, monetary benefits. Yeah, is, I'm, I'm open. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous again, that, that I'm in, I'm in the conversation. It's the most flattering thing in the world. And it's also something that I will not derive value from as amazing as it is. Cause you can't, you just can't get it. It's not, it's not good for the brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Could be just, just not, bio, but you should Kevin. still bribe yeah. me. It's, I'm, I'm very concerned with what my friends and family think and everybody else. It's just, it's just good fun. Taryn is not your friend, Kevin. Is that what you're saying? I'm concerned with what Taryn thinks of me as a human being. Uh, I would be very happy on, I'm doing the opposite now. If I was nine out of nine on winners, I'm still a winner. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So Kevin, you uh, mentioned that you've been listening to the podcast. Um, you know, you and I actually did have a chance to talk uh, on a patron orientation call. Uh, that was a, a fun clip to uh, have had circulated during your season. But just today, you let us know that there was actually another time that you had appeared on Rob as a podcast that I, I don't think that anybody else had uh, known about prior to today. Let's make some babies, Rob. Sure. Uh, do you want to set this up uh, at all? Because uh, this is going to be a first that uh, we we <laughs> yeah. clip uh, pulled. Uh, do you want to set up what this is from? So. Uh, there was a period where Rob and Stephen Fishback from uh, Survivor Token Chains and Second Chances uh, had this love know-it-all, Survivor know-it-all spinoff. Uh, occasionally, there was a different host. In this case, it was Sophie Clark, who some people says looks like my sister, apparently, I've learned recently. Okay. Um, and some of my research I did in grad school was related to, uh, let's call it tech very generally. And if I remember this voicemail right, I offered some ways to fiddle with the algorithm on dating apps. Okay. All right. So uh, let's go back to, uh, let me see if I have the, the date on this. Uh, this is all the way back from February 12th. 2018 love know-it-alls episode number six with sophie clark uh let's let's hear uh this uh this, this clip actually uh speaking of voicemail one follow-up uh this is from one of our listeners who wanted to speak to the person who wanted to know should they swipe everybody hi love know-it-alls this is ted from toronto and i want to respond to kevin who asked whether he should swipe right on everybody kevin by god do not do that tinder assigns wow. you what they call an elo score based off elo. the way that chess players uh, evaluate their skill level and you're more likely to show up in in people's feeds if you have a high elo score if you swipe right on everybody or if you swipe right on no one you're not going to show up in a lot of people's feeds so what wow. i would suggest is if you've been affected already then get a new account because that's the quickest way to fix that swipe in the 30 to 70 percent range and you'll show up in uh a better number of searches good luck kevin don't swipe right on everyone there you go wow that's Amazing probably the most advice. pragmatic advice that we've had yet on this podcast 
Yes. So don't be an overswiper. Don't be an underswiper. You could be too picky. Hmm. So good advice. Okay. Ted from Toronto. Um, now, interestingly, Ted from Toronto is answering a question that's from Kevin. You're not having a conversation with yourself, are you? To like, Kevin didn't ask the question so that Ted from Toronto could swoop or swipe in. So I don't, I don't, I don't really remember this. Oh, that's, that's not a denial. I, I don't, I don't think, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. He's turnering us. I'm going to say it's a coincidence. It was Daniel. I'm going to say it was a coincidence here. All right. Interesting. I would do that though. So I'm not. <laughs> mm -hmm. It does seem like something you would do. Yeah. Let's, let's leave it. Let's leave it to the imagination. I think. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, I actually, I was doing a project on, on, I was researching dating apps at, at, at mm -hmm. the time. Um, I was, I was already, uh, uh, with, with my girlfriend. I wasn't on any of them. So I was just reading the research just for the record. Um, so I actually don't know what would be a way to game the algorithm these days, but I would suggest that the same advice still holds that you shouldn't be swiping on no one and you shouldn't be swiping on, on everyone. Do people even swipe anymore? I don't even know. You shouldn't be hinging. Okay. Good to know. I mean, um, somebody can get back to you on, uh, maybe if, if Chappelle's still listening, he can answer your question. Yeah. Never got funding for that project. Okay. Do you want to, do you want a quick, uh, fishback story? I haven't told. Of course. So, so fishbacks, one of my, one of my favorite castaways, um, the, the know-it-alls are in Toronto. Um, tough tickets again at the time mm -hmm. become a patron um and i was so excited to come and see it live uh and and fishback was there and, and i'm so fired up we're talking we're having a great time and i believe this was post second chances at the time after his yeah, uh, gastrointestinal distress yeah and great conversation with fishback and i said can i can i give you a hug and he goes ah. Uh, I just need to go to the bathroom. And then, and then he makes a quick escape. And there was a moment where I was like, Oh no. And then for afterwards, I was like, you know what? I'm actually really happy about that interaction. That's the way that I would, I would mm -hmm. want it to go. Mm -hmm. And I haven't, I haven't told anyone that story. Um, did Steven actually go to the bathroom or do you think that that is his canned line of, I just have to go to the bathroom. So to get out of hugging people. Uh, I think he went to the, I watched him walk into the bathroom, but I don't think he needed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, th I think from you. Yeah. I think he was hiding. It was because it was, it was a great conversation until I went for the hug. Do you have any other stories about uh, your time with us in Toronto in 2017? <sighs> um, no, I just remember it being. Cause I, really I don't remember fun. hearing that you were, you were there that night. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I just remember it was a good time. I went out to the, the bar with everyone after yes. there was the, the post party. It was um, crowded. It was, it was crowded. I remember Brett from millennials versus yes. Gen X. Had yes, it. He was there. He was just bringing a great Holy energy. Cool. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. He was setting a very nice tone because mm -hmm. I think sometimes, again, it's that difference between like, 
this this digital world where we know these people, but we don't really. And then you see them in person. And Brett did an amazing job of breaking down those those barriers and just setting a beautiful, beautiful little little tone. Yeah, yeah, always fun. Um, Kevin, anything else uh, about BB24, RHAP and anything else you want to talk about while we have you here today? Mitch Trubitsky. Yeah. I don't, I don't there. I had a weird period where I couldn't sleep after getting home and I was, I was, I couldn't figure out who the Steelers quarterback was. It was, it was a whirlwind of emotions from Trubisky to Kenny Pickett. Um, No, I mean, I'd say, I think, I think we covered it. I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm really happy with the direction the season's going and I hope that it just continues to be fun. Whether that means that one group dominates, whether it means that, that there are a lot of twists and turns, as long as, the house guests are having fun. I think we, the viewers tend to have a good time. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for when they're not. And when it gets sort of um, to a place that isn't fun, it's not fun to watch and it can't teach us things about how people behave about humanity, which maybe we don't want to see or look at, but I hope it's on the the former side and it continues to be a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tara, anything else for Kevin today? Uh, it's, um, are you still a bad boy? Are you still a winter baby? Like, uh, how, how, how are you, how your sound clippage is going? If we're playing a board game or if we're playing a competitive reality show, I'm a very, very, very bad boy. If it's real life, which I do view as a different thing than a game, then I'm a really, really, really nice guy. <laughs> did you did you see the soundbite tournament uh, that uh, the, the for Big Brother Canada ten? Did you see who won the soundbite tournament? I, I don't think I, I did. All right. Well, let, let me officially uh, crown you then. Uh, I'm a bad boy. I'm a bad boy. The champion sound clip of Big Brother Canada ten beating out. Uh, I do hate you, Betty. I love her so much. Um, the the who would know? Because that's week one, right? The bad boy stuff. Yep. Who who would know? It would come in handy like that. I know. So it's one of those alternate timeline things. If uh, if if Kevin doesn't go on to win season ten of uh, Big Brother Canada, does Bad Boy go on to win the te- the soundbite tournament of Big Brother Canada I ten? So. I mean, we'll never know at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. It's it's generic enough that it can be used in so many different contexts and overused in so many different contexts that I I, I think I think it disappears into the ether if, if I'm out week one. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, anything fun going on this summer? Um, I will be seeing some of my uh, uh, some of the people from the cast. So uh, if if you're a social media person, which I'm not, but I'm on there for some reason, I'm probably going to disappear eventually. Uh, you run out of cucumbers. Yeah, when the, when the cucumbers are done, I'm going to be seeing some of the cast. Um, I'm going to be hanging out with friends and family, and and who knows, maybe maybe some other other life news at some point. Okay, all right. Good to know. All right. Well, Kevin, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on and hanging out with us for a little bit today. If you want people to follow you, do you want to give out a plug to your social media? Yeah. In, come join the journey. It's at Kevin Ted Jacobs on, on Twitter and Ted's Instagram. From Toronto. 
Ted from Toronto. Yeah. Uh, at Kevin Ted Jacobs. I, I, I'm on there. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm basically seeing if I like it. Mm-hmm. If you have any, any good accounts for me to follow on the, on the Instagram side, send them to me. Cause where I, I have trouble is like the, the, like, yeah, I, I, you could, I just don't want to look, I yeah. just don't want to look at people like trying to be, trying to be hot all the time. I want to, I want to learn something when I'm on my phone. Like what the way I, I filter a lot of my yeah. media consumption. How about Kevin, is, do you do TikTok? There's an account, but that's, that's, well, I, I haven't even ventured that into TikTok that. more so than Instagram. TikTok is a mirror, Kevin, that you basically, based on your, you know, that like, like a uh, Ted from Toronto once said uh, that, you know, the swiping like really learns a lot of your behavior. So you're like the stuff you're looking at, uh, it's like, okay, it will give you more of that. And the stuff you send away will give you less of that. I'll, I'll try it. I'll try the scrolling on TikTok. I've made a couple of videos and, and shown them. Yeah, to you don't Jillian need to make them. You could just be watching stuff. Good. Because she yeah. won't let me post any of this. <laughs> but she wasn't in the Big Brother house, so I could just behave how I wanted mm-hmm. to behave. But yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Kevin, I think, I think she's style. a good filter for me. Yeah, this was such huh? a, uh, <laughs> a fun chat. <laughs> Uh, to uh, catch up and uh, hear about what's going on for you. Uh, Taryn, what's next for you? Uh, we got the round table coming up at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Should what's be uh, a fun on the round table tonight? I've got three hours and 48 minutes. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> who's on we'll the see. guest? Who's, who's the guest on the round table? Uh, I think it's Asia. Okay. Um, so uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, uh, I th- there's a lot to talk about. I'll, I'll go change yeah. my estimate to th- 322. All right, three twenty-two. Uh, we'll we'll run we'll run the prediction mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. prior to the podcast. Uh, that should be fun. Of course, live feed update tomorrow. Uh, check out the live feed update from this morning if you want uh, all of the chaos explained to you. Um, and uh, live feed update today with thank Aaron you. And yes, I've, I even made a trailer for it. Did you get hurt? Um, I listened to the audio, uh, <laughs> and it sounded like that you threw yourself on the ground with reckless abandon. Were you injured today? I was not injured. My headphones were briefly injured, but uh, I was able to resuscitate them. <laughs> um, and uh, but anything else was just pure, pure acting. I was just being Nicole. So uh, okay. I think uh, we're all right. Um, <laughs> you can also find me over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Taryn Armstrong. And then uh, check out everything else uh, we have going on in addition to the Big Brother. Uh, we've been watching the Claim to Fame. Uh, have a uh, episode three recap. Kevin, have you checked out Claim to Fame yet? Uh, actually, an RHAP patron recommended that I go check out Claim to Fame. I've seen the first it's two episodes. Very, oh, oh, you've seen nice. it? Nice. Yes, yes. It's, it's nice, the innocent, fun. Is, the game is very interesting. Like, uh, you would think that there's not too much going on there strategically. The game is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a fun show. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, uh, watched uh, a movie called The Gray Man uh, with Chappelle and Puya over on Nothing But Netflix. Uh, and of course, uh, News AF uh, with uh, Danny and Tyson uh, today on Tuesday as well. So uh, check that all out at robiswebsite.com. Uh, thank you so much for checking out this uh, episode of the podcast. And if you want to be with us here live for our uh, next interview with the Big Brother alumni, you can become a patron at robiswebsite.com slash patron. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.